Welcome to Living Chassidus. Together, let's live the Chassidus we learn. Okay. Welcome, everybody. Here we are in our first Shar Habitachan from this Sefer. Um, I am very, very excited. I hope everybody has it already. I hope so. <laughs> There's one here, if you need one. Um, okay. So... As you will see throughout this whole shear, that my book is very much <laughs> written into. And I actually had a forbring in um, a few times with people about putting stuff in their books. And I'll give you some background. Um, I come from a family where we care for books a lot. And we, we just love books and we care for them a lot and I was never taught I was always taught not to write in my books because that and then I was untaught that when I was in high school and all my teachers made us write in our books and I actually have found a good balance <laughs> so I wanted to share that because as we go through the sheer I think many times it's very easy to just have a book and read it and it stays in the pages and it just kind of like, yeah, we, we finish our bitachen and that's where the information goes. And when you forbring with your safer, sometimes it brings out a really deep connection and it brings out a lot of um, closeness to what you're actually learning and then you make it real. I actually still have a book from high school where I really forbringed into it and from time to time, I look back and I, I see my growth through the pages. So, again, it's just an idea. But throughout everything that we're going to be discussing, we really want to, um, we want this to be real. Which begins our introduction, which is that I want to be clear about what is our goal. Our goal in this class is to live and that's why we called it living with bitachin we want this to change our lives we want this to permeate us in every single um, place in our lives to the point where we'll see in today's reading the where is it um here, from a letter from the Rebbe, quote, we must know that faith and trust cannot merely remain in our thoughts. Rather, they must permeate the totality of our lives. So we're not learning Sharbitachan in order to get concepts. We're not learning Sharbitachan in order to have an intellectual abstract discussion. This is not a pill poll where we go back and forth. This person says this and that person says that and the quote is over here and the... And my goal is not, is not that. There are other classes who have that, but our goal in this class is for it to be lived and for it to be permeated in our lives. So I'm going to try my hardest to keep the flow going. This safer, as I'm sure you can see, has a lot of commentary. And sometimes the commentary is there to bring out, you know, a comparison or different opinions have different um, viewpoints or this, this pasa comes from da-da-da. And not necessarily is it leading to the flow 
And so then we're going to get sidetracked in that concept and then sidetracked in that concept. And then we come out of sheer, like I, I, I learned a bunch of random stuff. So one of the reasons why last time we did Betachen Shir, we did it from this booklet is because it's a straight up, like, but it is exactly just that. It's as if you're reading the book without any, any stops, basically. It does have a bit of commentary in the bottom, but very, very little. So what I've done here is that I have picked out which commentary lead to helping us live with Betachen as opposed to getting us off onto like an intellectual discussion. So that's, that's one of the concepts I wanted to discuss. Another piece I want to share is, is that I want to try to keep the flow going. So this is not necessarily a um, dicta class. This is also not necessarily a translation class. I want us to live with the concepts. And if you'd like, you can totally read the words in the, in the Hebrew, in, in the original. Um, and I actually, one of the things I will suggest is to get a chavrosa that you can learn it with throughout the week. Um, but for the sake of keeping the concepts straight for us to really like go and get an idea. So I'm going to read in English. Um, so that we really get through as much information as possible. Okay, with all that said, I felt it was very incredibly appropriate um, today's Hayyamim. For anyone who watches the recording, it might not be today's Hayyamim for you, but it is today's Hayyamim for us. So the 29th of Sivan, the Hayyamim goes as such. According to the teachings of Chassidus, divine service entails training oneself to perceive Hashem's hashkacha pratis, how in his goodness, he continually renews the world and all its created beings with his particular providence and how this alone constitutes the continued life and existence of all created beings. Betachen can't begin unless we know that Hashem is taking care of us. Unless we know that Hashem is literally in our lives and running every aspect of our lives, we can't trust him, which actually it's one of the pieces that we're going to discuss in, in the introduction to the Sefer. The author of the Sefer actually says that you have to be able to know that Hashem is in every single part of your life. And not only that, but we have to see his Ashkacha Pratis, that, that it, he's doing it on purpose. He has a purpose in what he does in our lives. And it's not just, you know, by chance, by luck, I happen to be here. We don't happen to be anywhere. We were put exactly where we're meant to be. And once we know that, then we can begin. Um, okay, so I did a bit of research on the author because I think that's something that makes an impact on our understanding of the book. And his name was Arbeinu Bahaya. Ben Yosef Ibn Pekuda. So they actually don't know, they, we actually don't know his birth or his Yertzeit or any, anything other than the fact that it's around 1021. Um, he was one of the most outstanding personalities in the, what we call the golden era of Jewish history in Spain. And he was such a Heligayid that at that time, they actually, named him Hachasid. They called him the pious one because he was so kind and he was such a, 
um, upstanding um, tzaddik. He was he was one of the greatest scholars, and at the same time, we we actually know very little about his life. We do know that he was a dayan. He was a judge in Saragossa, Spain. Um, and what he's most famous about, uh, for what he's most famous for, is that he wrote Chavas Alavavis. So as we'll see, here it says, Shar Hashar Harbi Shar Habitachin. So it's actually the fourth section, which means Chavas Alavavis is actually a ten-section safer, and this happens to be the fourth. The one previous is Sharha Vaidas Hashem, which we actually, it's how to um, do a Vaidas Hashem, which we're going to discuss what that means. And he, he basically said, you can't do your Vaidas Hashem unless you have trust in Hashem. So um, that's why it's, it's the fourth out of 10. And it was originally written in Arabic. It was later translated into Hebrew by the famous translator of Yehuda Ibn Tibbon, um, approximately in the year 4940. And in his introduction, he actually explained why he wrote the Sefer. He said that there are many, many, many Svarim. I mean, you guys all know, there's tons of Svarim in, in, in Torah. But there wasn't really a Sefer that spoke about our heart. There's halacha about tzitzit. There's halacha about maida'ani. There's halacha about, you know, there's understanding at the point, whatever, whether it's Kabbalah or whatnot, of the deeper end. But we didn't have, especially at that time, any knowledge or any safer about how to really affect our heart. We're supposed to love Hashem. We're supposed to have yira, ava. It's like basics. It's, it's actually part of the mitzvahs. And yet there was nothing written for it. So he actually decided, and that's why he wrote the duties of the heart because this has to do with our heart and so that's the that's the introduction on that now there once was a man which i'm sure you guys know this story very 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 well um it's pretty famous in lubavitch and his name was svi hirsch weinrib he actually moved to baltimore maryland and he was um starting his career or he's starting to work towards um, his career in psychology. And at one point he was having a really, really hard time and he was struggling in his awareness. Hashem, he was struggling. He had a lot of questions and he decided to call 770 and see if he could send in a message to the rabbi. So he called and one of the Muscarim answers. And he says, he was actually a bit embarrassed about the questions he was about to ask and like the fact that he was struggling. So he, when they asked him, who is this? Like, can I take your name? He said, a Jew in Maryland. And then he went on to ask his questions. Suddenly he hears the Rebbe's voice on the line, which means the Rebbe had heard. He had, there was times when the Rebbe would have, like he would connect into a call. So he could also hear from his office. And he heard the Rebbe's voice um, where he said, there's a Jew in Maryland with whom he can speak and his name is Weinreb. And he was shocked because his name was Weinreb. And he said, he answered on the phone. He said, well, my last name is Weinreb. And the Rebbe took a second and he said, if that's the case, he should know that sometimes one needs to speak to oneself. And it's very, very, very powerful, the story, because many times we go to a shir or we want to, we want to learn something to change our lives. 
And information in of itself is helpful. It's a tool. But we have to speak to ourselves in order to change our lives. So everything we learn here is going to be a tool. But the way you apply it, the way you live with it, that has to be spoken to yourself. That has to be a forbringing and a, an opportunity to think about what you're struggling with in life or what you're going through in life and say, how do I apply this to my life? Does that make sense? So this is not a suddenly magically betachan's going to like, you know, be infused. You're going to eat it. And suddenly it's like, woo, magic pill. You took it. You want it. That's it. It's a process of bringing it in, which is actually the basis of Chabad. Chachma, Bina, and Das, right? Chachma is what we're going to do. We're going to learn it. Bina is when you take a moment and you really think about it. And you, I, I, that's why I'm lovingly encouraging everybody to find the Chavrusa, even if it's just, even if you don't have time to like sit down and read it inside, but just call that person or send them a voice and say, hey, these are, the, these are some concepts that I learned this week so that you process the information and then when it comes out of your mouth, it shows that what you've understood. And then the last, which I personally think is the most important, is the das. Das is when you take a moment and you say, what am I living with? What am I struggling with? How does this apply? Okay? So that's our goal. That's our goal. Before we start, we want to know that this is what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to live with the tachim. Okay. All that said. Let's do this. We're going to open up in page two. Um, another aspect to this is just, I forgot to mention, if you'd like, you can also keep a journal. Um, sometimes journaling about these concepts really helps us live with it. Okay, so page two, which essentially on paper is like 30. Um, <laughs> it just keeps going and going and going. Yes. Yeah. Um, I strongly suggest, especially now it's Gimel Palmas coming up. If you want some Shabbos reading, the introduction, the foreword to the Sefer is beautiful. Really, really replete with amazing stuff. So if you want to do that on Shabbos. Also, if you haven't yet, if you don't yet have a Sefer, you can absolutely purchase it tonight. Um, it's $22. Okay, let's do this. <clears throat> okay, we're on page two. And then it says, in the introduction to Shar B'tachin, the gate of trust, the author discusses the benefits of having the tachin, trust in Hashem, brings a person both in Torah and worldly matters, right? So not only is B'tachin just like you're going to walk around floating on a holy, holy cloud, but in reality, it's going to bring you actual benefits in your worldly matters, in your gashmias. In total, he lists five Torah benefits and five worldly benefits. Okay. On placing our trust in Hashem alone, author's introduction. The author begins his introduction to Shara B'tachem by explaining the connection between this gate and the preceding gate, Shara Ha'ilokim, the gate of the service of Hashem. He explains that the reason why he placed Shara B'tachem immediately after Shara Ha'ilokim is that having trust in Hashem is paramount in order to be a true servant of Hashem. So now we're going to get into it. Having previously discussed in the previous gate the obligation to accept the service of Hashem, I have seen it to be appropriate to now explain that which is most necessary 
for a person who wishes to be a servant of Hashem, and that that is to rely on him in all his matters. For by doing so, there will be great benefits, both in Torah matters and in worldly matters. Okay, so we're going to take a moment. Not all, as I said in the beginning, not every single asterisk is related to how we want to live with Siddhis. So I, I've chosen to skip some of them, but we will begin with the asterisk after most necessary. So where it says most necessary. Rabbi Avram, son of Rambam, writes that trust in Hashem, may he, be, may he be exalted and blessed, is one of the choicest character traits we can have. It is in fact one of the foundations of Torah, and therefore we don't find anyone who argues against its necessity, right? So we said necessary, everyone agrees that trusting in Hashem is necessary. Number one, in his commentary to Proverbs, the Villa Gaon writes, trust is a general commandment that protects us from transgressing any of the commandments. So not only is it so bare and basic because nobody disagrees that we need it, but in reality, this is the mitzvah that leads to all the other mitzvahs. We make sure if we trust in Hashem and we know that he's taking care of us, then why would you, we do anything else? If we trust that Hashem is going to give us parnasa, why would we cheat somebody else in business? Like, why would If we trust that we're exactly where we're meant to be, so why would we, you know, do something out of line? Does that make sense? From a letter of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, we must know that faith and trust cannot merely remain in our thoughts, as I said earlier. Rather, they must permeate the totality of our lives. The first step of faith is that Hashem controls the world. If he can care for billions of people, we can be sure that in regard to personal matters, we will see the fulfillment of the promise stated in the Pasuk, I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain and deliver you. Okay, so let's take a moment. You guys hear me? I just hear myself in the... Okay, great, because I just hear the AC. Um, so let's take a moment. You can close your eyes if you want to. Picture one of your favorite locations where you travel to for vacation. Now, picture whether it's sunny or whether it's indoors. Picture if you're there alone, if you're there with a friend, with family. And now take a moment and look around in the place where you are. Are there people there? Maybe there's a worker, maybe there's somebody who's giving out, I don't know, selling tickets to something, or maybe it's a cleaning crew. I'm not sure exactly where you are. Um, and now look at that person and think about their lives. That person has a mother. That person as a father, that person goes home and puts their head, his or her head on a pillow that night. And they have worries. They have bills to pay. They have bank account. Hopefully, I guess, I don't know where you traveled, but most places have bank account. And that person's every moment, every breath, every detail is directed by Hashem. I don't know where you traveled, but it wasn't just here. You clearly went somewhere out of this room. 
And that person who you pictured in your mind, literally every ounce of their being is controlled by Hashem and it's put and it's, it's, it's organized, it's cared for by Hashem. And many times we forget because we're so in our own existence. We have our lives, our struggles, our um, worries, our financial struggles, right? But that person is literally breathing in this same moment. They are breathing and their life is continuing just like ours. It's funny to think about it. But when you think about it in that way, you realize that Hashem truly controls everything. And that was just one person you pictured in some faraway land that you like to visit. But every single aspect of our world is controlled. Every blade of grass, every breath somebody takes, every worry that they struggle with, every relationship they have with their personal parents. And when you know that, and suddenly you see the greatness of Hashem, suddenly you can appreciate that. And this is what the, the, the rabbi just said, that the first step in faith is that Hashem controls the world. If he can care for the billions of people, we can be sure that in regard to personal matters, which is us, we will see the fulfillment of the process pro promise stated in the Pasuk, I have made you, meaning us, think about every single one of you. Hashem made you. I will carry you. He will carry you. I will sustain and deliver you. Isn't that comforting? The same way Hashem takes care of that random person in your mind's eye, Hashem takes care of you. And that's the beginning of it. That's the beginning of it all. Okay, back to the regular text. We're going to discuss where it says, for by doing so, there will be great benefits, both in terror matters and in worldly matters. And this part is actually very... Um, yeah, it's a very beautiful message. So the last asterisk, asterisk, which means worldly matters, is on page number three on the bottom. Torah matters and in worldly matters. The author continues to explain the benefits of our relationship with Hashem when we truly trust in him. In attributing the power of trust to all areas of life, the author is including every type of person, whether their main pursuit is wealth and materialism, or a pious ascetic lifestyle, trust in Hashem will be beneficial. So we're seeing that betachen isn't just for your holy aspect in life. Like, oh, the more betachen I have, the more kavana I'll have in my davening. <laughs> and not only is it in kavana in your davening, but it's actually in your harnasa. It's actually in your interpersonal relation. Oh, look, I can see this. Um, it's actually in your interpersonal relationships. It's actually in your gashmias, your real health, your absolute body. It really makes an impact. Now we're going to see how. Okay, let's go back one second. Yeah, here we go. We're on, the, we're on page three still. If a person places his trust in Hashem, it will be easier for him to act in accordance with the ways of Torah. It will also be easier for him to acquire his materialistic needs as well as the, uh, as the author explains. 
The author now gives five ways in which betachen is beneficial to Torah matters. Okay, so we're going to discuss five in the Torah, and then afterwards we're going to discuss five in our Gashmi's lives. Tranquility. The first benefit is, is that betachen causes a person to be free from worry, allowing him to devote his energy to serving Hashem. So on the one hand, this first one is technically on our like spiritual matters. But like, let's be honest, how many of us, don't raise your hand because I know the whole room, has at some point or another in your lives been so stressed out or worried that you couldn't sleep or you woke up extra early or you struggled with your eating habits, right? So on the one hand, worry is like the spiritual, it's like the first one on the spiritual list. But on the other hand, it's really our gosh, it's like it really affects us. Worry, anxiety, all of these things affect us in Gashmis. Okay, page four. Among the Torah benefits is tranquility of the soul, which is free of worry as a result of his reliance on Hashem, just as a servant is bound to place his trust in his master. So let's read the asterisk. Reliance on Hashem. Um, here on the bottom left. Tranquility of the soul as a result of his reliance on Hashem. Trust in Hashem has his own inherent benefit. The Baal Shem Tev teaches that a person must pray for his trust to be strengthened because when Hashem desires to punish, he begins by removing that person's trust in him. Mm, interesting. This can be understood in the light of a statement by Rabbi Shmuel, the fourth Rilbavitcher Rebbe, known as the Rebbe Maharash. A Jew is never deficient in sustenance Rather, he is deficient in his trust in Hashem. Take a moment to let that sink. You have the exact amount of money that you're meant to have. And you will receive the exact amount of money that you're meant to receive. And our struggle, our worry about parnasa, is not necessarily the fact that we have, we're deficient in parnasa. Instead, we're just Sufficient in our trust in Hashem. Just, that's a biggie. Just putting that out there. There is an abundance of sustenance prepared for every Jew. However, if a person is deficient in trust, the sustenance, the sustenance, sustenance, thank you, does not reach him. The Lubavitcher Rebbe explains that betachen is like a faucet. When we have it, the faucet is open and our blessings pour through. However, when we lack it, the faucet is closed. Whoa. So basically, more betachen, more parnasa. <laughs> okay. The next asterisk, which is right below it, is a servant is bound to place his trust in his master. The first benefit of betachen when regards to religious life is a state of tranquility, which allows us to dedicate ourselves to the service of Hashem. The author explains this with the parable of a servant who must rely on his master to take care of all of his needs and is only concerned with his responsibility to his master. In a similar vein, as servants of Hashem, we trust that Hashem will take care of our needs and we therefore only concern ourselves with the fulfillment of our duties towards him. So let's put it this way. A servant who is set, he's being taken care of by his master, his master feeds him, his master clothes him, his master, um, you know, gives him a place to live, 
in Torah law, and he actually also takes care of his wife and his children. So he's literally taken, like, taken care of in every full extent. So if the servant is stressing out about his food and his clothing and this, and that, that doesn't make sense. Like the master's taking care of it. Why should we waste our time worrying about that? Instead, we should spend our time doing the work that we're meant to be doing. So that's the, the that's where this muscle works for us. We are Hashem's servants. We are here, Aivdim of Hashem. And we know that Hashem is going to take care of us. We know that Hashem is going to give us every single thing we need exactly at the time that we need it. And when doing so, why should we worry about it? There's no point in stressing out about it. Hashem's going to take care of us. I'll actually, I'll tell a story, um, which is actually a bit comical, but most people go, um, so I recently had a wedding. And I was uh, a, a big part of the wedding. I was actually, my husband and I were the interferers, so we had to be there. And we, I, I ordered a gown, which I don't know if itself was a fun experience. I ordered a gown from a random website. It was pretty dangerous. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just chucking the money out the window, but took the risk anyway. It came out perfect. It was beautiful, absolutely stunning. I even took it to... Um, the seamstress and she was so impressed she's like this is from China um so Baruch Hashem it worked out beautifully then I drop it off and she asked me she said come call me to pick it up the day before the wedding I was like okay fine beautiful I call and I call and I call turns out that the day before the wedding was what was the memorial day and she forgot to tell me I guess that they were closed memorial day so then I first I call first thing in the morning well first Crown Heights time thing in the morning, <laughs> AKA like 10.30 when they actually open. And I say, okay, this is, um, you know, the weddings today. I really need this done by now. She said, really? That's so interesting. I can't, um, give me a second, one second. She puts me on hold. It's like one second, two seconds, three seconds, a few minutes. And then she comes back, she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't want to hold you in the line. I just need to go find it. I can't seem to find your gown so I say okay I guess if you want she's she's like yeah I'll just call you back and I'm like okay what time because you know how things are if I wait for her to call me back love doctor I'm gonna get a call back so I said oh, fine I'll call you back in about half an hour it's like perfect so I call back in half an hour she still can't find my gown nowhere to be found she goes I have the ticket in the system but I can't find the actual dress so she then asked me, can you please WhatsApp me a picture of the gown so I can look for it? <laughs> ha! Anyway, so Bar Hashem, we were so lucky because Kabbalah's Panem was really early, um, unlike other Kabbalah's Panem, and I actually had to be there as an interfere on time for all of everyone who took the Shalom Bias class. It actually meant on time at three. Um, and then we... So I call, I, I, I sent her a WhatsApp and then about an hour later, she sends me a WhatsApp. Wow, Baruch Hashem, I just found it. It had the wrong ticket on it. And I guess lucky for me, they hadn't done, or both sides, they hadn't done the alterations, which Baruch Hashem, because they would have done the other alterations that the ticket said, which wasn't the alterations that I needed done. But at the same time, this is 1245 and Kabbalah's Panim is at three. 
when exactly are you planning to do the alterations? So she called, she messaged me. She goes, yeah, call me at 2.30 to see if it's ready. So I responded, no, Kapo's phone is at three. I need it ready at 2.30, two o'clock earlier. Anyway, I go there at two. She goes, hey, can you please just try it on? I'm like, what difference does it make? You don't have time to fix anything. Like this is what it is. I'm gonna wear it exactly how you just made it. And anyway, so throughout this entire time, I, I, I called my husband several times saying, so she can't find it. So she found it and she's not gonna be ready till 2.30 and the wedding's at three. So, you know, like, and every single point, we both laugh at how many times we've been through this. Not necessarily the gown, not necessarily this seamstress, but we've been through this and it always works out in the end. And a very famous quote that I, I credit to my husband because he's I'm amazing. He always says, it's always going to work out. It's just a matter of how much you're going to stress out about it. And so throughout this whole time, I kept telling people the story, like she lost my dress. Ah! And I tried my hardest to just laugh because there's nothing I can do about it. And Hashem is taking care of it. And at the end of the day, I'm going to not show up in pajamas. Like I will be wearing something. So it's a, it was a tricky situation. And I'm sure we've all, if everybody takes a moment to think about it, you've all been in that, you've all been in that situation in your own life, whether it's you're about to miss a flight, whether it's, you know, oh, this thing has to be paid off. And like, I don't necessarily have the full amount for it or whether whatever it is in your life, we've all been there. And the question is how, how much are we going to stress out about it? Sometimes it's more, but then they could have technically sometimes it's a little bit not stress, but because they're like, a little bit of dress, or that they're like you're like the flight and try to like find like a fast fast way to get there. Like sometimes it's not it's a very good point. Like sometimes you can do more when it's in a little bit of I wouldn't say stress is yeah, a little more pressure, exactly. It's like if it's like think about what if Hashem wanted me. Like to Right, right. He actually it's there's a whole section of it in here about that and how to find that balance. But just to give a little taste. The balance between how much to stress out about, or if we are anxious about it, so to speak, or if we're. So that's what I'm that's. Like a good quality of like urgency. Urgency. So yeah, and that's why I said like at the bottom of the day, at the bottom of the day, at the end of the day, I wouldn't really be showing up in my pajamas. Like I do technically have two other gowns that I own. They're in my. You know what I mean? Like I, I, there's a balance between how you feel and how you act. Doing your shtadlis is doing your shtadlis. Doesn't mean you have to stress out about it, right? So it's like it's it's duties of the heart. Chavas alavavis. 
It's where, how do I feel here? It's not what I'm doing. I have to do it. He actually speaks about it, which is incredible because this is one of the main farm that like has such a strong, I think it's shocking for a lot of people, has such a strong push on like, you have to be involved in the world. Like don't sit and be an aesthetic, uh, you know, me meditation in the top of a mountain. Like you have to go work. How much do you work? How much do you stress out about work? What's about your parnasa? That's a different story. Does that make sense? It's doing the action as opposed to feeling the, the anxiety. Okay, so just to like get us back into the text, we are now discussing the first out of five of the, the benefits that we have from the topic. <clears throat> okay. Um, one second, we said that one. Oh yeah. Okay. We're yeah. We just finished. We therefore only concern ourselves with fulfilling our duties. Okay. Now we're going to do, okay. Back into the main text, not into the commentary in the bottom, but back into the main text. In the next few paragraphs, the author will illustrate how only a person who relies on Hashem can be truly free of worry and have a peaceful state of mind. For a person who does not place his trust in Hashem, places his trust in an entity other than God. If a person does not place his trust in Hashem to take care of him, he is de facto placing his trust in an entity other than Hashem. That is wild. When we're not placing our trust in Hashem, we are automatically placing our trust in something or someone else. Like, take a moment. Have to. I have to take care of myself. I have yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a word for almost another word. Control things. Yes. Yes. So here's how. It, Especially because then when we leave it out of our hands, it's like, whose hands is it going to be on? That's a big part of it. Okay. So now let's read the, the asterisk on the bottom. An entity other than Hashem. There are those who, instead of trusting in Hashem, place trust in themselves and in their own abilities in other people, for example, professionals, or in the constellations waiting for their lucky star to strike. All this is contrary to the tranquility achieved by placing trust in Hashem alone. So we're trusting, a, you know, whatever expert it is, we're trusting that they have the salvation, which we actually, he discusses later on about like doctors and your boss and like where your money comes from, whatever, but putting our trust, trust in them, from a letter of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, you have two options. Number one, until you see the fulfillment of the blessing, you can go about anxious that perhaps, heaven forbid, the blessing will not be fulfilled. Even after the blessing is fulfilled, you will continue to worry. Why did I have to waste so much energy worrying for nothing? I'm not going to do a raise of hands, but I'm sure we've all been there. 
where we go and we stress and we stress and we're going to miss the flight and we're going to miss the flight. Da, 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 da. We get to the flight and we're like, oh man, I should have enjoyed my time. Why did I just waste all that time stressing out about it? Right? I felt about it, especially whatever. I've, I've been there. I've done that where I've stressed out. And I'm like, oh, I just wasted an opportunity to have a good time because I was stressing out about what was next, what was coming up next. There's actually a beautiful, um, my husband learns with my son every Shabbos. And this past week, they were learning this Parsha book that they, they enjoy. And it, it, I wish I would have checked it out before I share, but I don't remember exactly where it comes from. But it basically, it was a saying that said, um, the past is already gone. The future isn't here yet. And the present is only a blink out of an eye. The past is gone. There's no point in stressing out about what happened. We can heal from it. We can, you know, ask for help and process the information, process the experiences that we've been through. But we, we shouldn't stress about it. It is what it is. If, I, if you, I'll speak to myself. If I stuck my foot in my mouth and I said the wrong thing and, okay, that was exactly what was meant to happen. Now I need to know what I'm meant to be doing right now to fix it. Beating myself up for what happened in the past, nishkut. Future, ah, oh, the future, let's stress what's gonna be, where are we gonna go, are we gonna have enough, are we not enough, is this gonna work out, is it not? There's no point, it hasn't come yet. We're not there yet. And the present, it's a blink of an eye. It's literally this very moment and that's it Does that make sense What's the, future? the future hasn't come yet well, it's not here yet um okay so we the the rabbi said there are two there are two options option number one is that until it happens we're stressing we're stressing we're stressing then when it, it all everything turns out rosy and beautiful and then oh why did we have to stress and then we beat ourselves up for stressing right now option number two Alternatively, you can be strong in your trust and faith in Hashem that he will lead you on the proper path and fulfill all the blessings with which you have been bestowed. Afterwards, when you see the fulfillment of the blessings, you can tell yourself, ha, see how well I handled myself by not worrying about matters over which there was no need for concern. Right? So now we have this situation where we... Trusted in Hashem the first time. We said, okay, this intense situation is about to happen in my life and it's all going to work out. Hashem is going to take care of us. It's all going to be beautiful and dandy. And then when it does work out, we say, yes, look how well I handle that. In a certain sense, that's how I feel about my gown. I wasn't crying. I wasn't screaming. I wasn't stressed out. I was like, okay, it is what it is. And I'm going to be where I'm not going to walk in with pajamas. I know that for a fact, right? And so then when I, when it works out, which the end of the story was, I came at two o'clock, I put it on, it fit perfectly. She, even, even if she would have been able to fix anything else, it needed nothing else fixed. And by crazy Ashkachapratis, I think with my trust in Hashem, Hashem also helped that my makeup worked out and my everything, everything was just perfect. And I thank Hashem because I had the clarity to be like, okay, it's all going to work out. There's no point in stressing out about it um there you go so just checking okay perfect okay so that's those are the two options that the rabbi gives um in igris kadesh volume 4 page 255 okay back to the main text so now we're on the top of page 5 
if a person places his trust in something other than Hashem, then Hashem removes his divine providence from him and leaves him in the hands of the entity in which he places his trust. <laughs> like, let me. Okay, that's a very good question. The question that was asked in the room was, is this literal? Does it make sense? Is it possible for Hashem to really truly leave you? Let's say that you're stressed out about Parnasa and you're trusting that your boss is going to take care of you and like you're putting your trust in that your boss is going to give you that paycheck exactly when you need it. So then what I'm saying is, fine, you have such trust in Hashem and you have such trust in your boss that I'm going to let you in the hands, leave you in the hands of your boss, right? So the question is, is that truly possible? Is that a raised hand? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so here, let's look here on the bottom where it says, if a person places his trust, yep. If a person places his trust in something other than Hashem, then Hashem removes his divine providence from him, etc. Here it says, in Marina Vuchim, Ramam explains that when we are separated from Hashem, he is also separated from us, leaving us exposed to any evil that might befall us. This is the meaning of the Pasuk, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be consumed, and many evils and troubles shall befall them. On that day, they will say, the, are these evils not befalling us because our God is not among us? It is clear that we are the cause of divine concealment and that, partition, and that the partition that separates us from him is our own creation. So one second, we're going to get, I know everyone's cringing. Everyone's cringing. We're all nervous. I get it. It literally makes it sound like we're in control of our lives now. It really does. It looks the opposite way. It literally makes it sound like if something went wrong, it's my fault. I wasn't doing I wasn't controlling my Vitaphan well enough. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> well, well, one second. It's weird. I'm not controlling my Vitaphan. But, but what's interesting is that it's based on your Vitaphan and not on your doing whatever you're meant to be doing. Does that make sense? That's part of the sense, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm saying, I think, I mean, on this back of the perspective, I think, like, we're, we're, there's, there's, there's more to answer. I'm just saying there's more to answer. I just want to take a moment to process what we're saying so far. Yeah, go for it. I'm saying when we're putting in extremities, 100%, I say I agree is not the right word, but I understand I agree with what's being said. Then we have to like break it down practically that like we're not supposed to bang ourselves on the head that we're not having to right. Yes. Because that's not the way to bring the topic. Perfect. So I think anytime that we're in a situation where we're like, gosh, how do we things are going to go well? We can only hyper-focus on one aspect of our lack of protection and that. Yes. Because you can't, can't change how you're completely feeling in an instant. Correct. Correct. So can you just say the first part again? I just want to repeat it. <laughs> so if I, if, if I remember correctly, what, you're, what you said the first part was that our, our way of dealing with lack of, what we just said here was if if we're putting our trust in something else and therefore we set a, <clears throat> a separation, a boundary between us and Hashem, we create that concealment. By us putting our trust in something else, 
we create a separation, a concealment between Hashem's bracha and us. That said, in order to fix that concealment, having guilt, shame, beating ourselves up, being negative, oh, I could, why, did I, why didn't I have betachah and you see it's my fault? That doesn't bring any closeness. Instead, that's also putting it back on you. You're not meant to be trusting whether you did it or not, did it wrong, did it, but you're meant to be now turning towards Hashem. This is not a self-deprecating, hit yourself over the head with it. It's more like, take a moment, stop what we're doing, turn around and walk in the other direction. How do I face Hashem? How do I have more betachan and Hashem to then break down that wall? Does that make sense? That's what brings down the concealment. Okay, so now let's continue reading because there's more good stuff in here. Okay, the Kliakar explains the meaning of the Pasuk. If you treat my commandments with indifference, then I will treat you with indifference in my vengeance. In a similar vein, Hashem is saying that his response to the Jewish people's indifference will be his own indifference. In other words, and this is very, very crucial, what I'm about to say, the removal of Hashem's providence from a person who trusts in others rather than Hashem is not a punishment, but a natural consequence. So if I go and I grab my hand and I smack myself in the face hard, the pain on my face is a punishment from my hand? No, I, I did it. I smacked myself in the face. It's not a punishment. It's the natural consequence. If you smack yourself in the face, your face will hurt. If A plus B, or that one doesn't really work. A plus B equals C. There's no like magic here. It is what it is. We, if we choose to put someone else in between our relationship with Hashem, and we trust in someone else instead of Hashem, then the natural consequence is that we're not going to be trusting in Hashem. Does that make sense? And I think it's also like, at the end of the day, it's not like, I think like we're not looking at like Hashem and like we're not, but it's like we're getting kind of like, like Hashem and us, like Hashem knows our struggles and knows your efforts. So it's like if you struggle with Bikachai and you put Bikachai in some areas of your life, if you don't put Bikachai in some areas, it's really hard for you. Like Hashem's like, okay, well now I'm going to take away my problems. Now I'm not going to like die because I'm not going to be put on my punishment. Like, no, like Hashem knows. Your struggle, then it's like, oh yeah, I feel like really good. Like, I think it sounds scary because it's like, well, if you work so hard, I'm in this great, like, it's happening in this world, then, and we're raised in a certain mentality of like, no, it's like, you don't have the mentality. So, like, to change your whole perspective, it takes time, and it takes a lot. And I, everyone is so, some people, it takes a lot of work, but it's mentality for their life, or the challenges are harder. So, like, it's a harder process. I don't think it's like, I don't know, I don't think to look at it like it's like this bad thing. I think it's just like you do as much as you can. Beautiful. I love that. Hey, can I ask? I just want to understand what the concealment looks like. Because like there's a lot of people that they don't they don't know that they should be Hashem. They don't know that they should be Hashem. And so when Hashem doesn't have consequences in their life, like it's just now they're just on their own and they're at the mercy of everything of the world. Like how how does that differ like from a person who like knows that he's not like what kind of like Yes. So the question is, how does it work, especially the balance between someone who, let's say, is not from and doesn't even know that they could have betachin? And so, how does that even work with them? And then, how does it work with a firm person who does know that they, like, they should have betachin? Like, is, 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 is
present there's not like them <laughs> that's also seeing them so like what is the concealment let's say when you drop something you know for a form person like you just want you don't get you don't get thrust like what you want in abundance very good question and he actually answers it we'll continue okay a person's existence is dependent on hashem's providence and kindness when he chooses not to acknowledge this and places his trust in something other than hashem then hashem so to speak responds in kind if you do quote if you do not acknowledge this reality and you do not need me then i will indeed remove my providence from you and your dis destiny will be in that which you place your trust this does not mean that Hashem removes his providence, which is your question, from the person. Rather, he obfuscates his involvement, which means to confuse, to obscure. Um, he makes it unclear how he, how, he, how he is involved in that person's life. I'll just put it this way. If you don't hear your life with someone that doesn't have someone, I'm just trying to that. What does it practically mean that when this is a very this is a very very small example and I don't I I don't I'm just giving it to show it not because of anything else but just a small version of this that like I really truly wasn't stressed out about my dress and at the end of the day it all worked out and I said wow thank you Hashem it all worked out and I was able to see how he, not only did my dress work out my my the shell under my dress worked out by another crazy Ashoka part of the story too long to tell in this thing. And my makeup totally worked out by such a miracle. I walked the day of the wedding, walked into a store, happened to be the person that was there was a makeup artist. And she told me exactly what to do. And it was absolutely beautiful. Like she wasn't there five minutes before and she left five minutes after. Like I was able to see the clear revealed hand as opposed to other times where I am stressed out. Many times I'm like making a program for living cities and I stress about it like a mad woman. And then it comes the moment <laughs> there's no one in the room by the time I start. And then look at this, the room is packed and I should have not stressed. And I, but at the time I don't see the revealed clarity because I was so in my own stress. So what we're, what we're saying here, this does not mean that Hashem removes his providence Every single person's life is a practice. Every aspect of a person's life is a practice. The question is, how much do you see it? Do you feel it revealed in your life? Do you feel Hashem's hand guiding you through every step of what you're going through? And that's the difference. And now we're going to read even more. Although everything in the world comes from God, there are two layers of divine providence. Number one, inner providence. In this greater layer, Hashem's involvement is not hidden in natural phenomenon, and his fingerprints are quite apparent. The person can detect a supernatural voice, force guiding his life. External providence, number two. In this lower la layer, Hashem is also the ultimate source because everything comes from Hashem. However, this is concealed by natural entrapments. The person cannot detect that Hashem is involved. And he feels as if he is leading his own destiny, a life of his own, subject to the whims of nature. This is because he has chosen to put his trust in fecal elements rather than Hashem himself. Does that make sense? So at the end of the day, to answer your question, there is no difference. Yes. <laughs> it comes. 
Correct. It counts down to the user experience. It's a smoother interface with your iPhone. That's exactly it. For anyone who doesn't know technology, that means like how easy it is to use like an app or a website or whatever. Sometimes it's like all the stuff is still on there, but it's so hard to decipher where to click the button as opposed to the wrong place. Yeah, so you click and it goes to the wrong place. Exactly. Or a really, I don't know if you guys have heard, Bot.org has a new app that they just launched it's so good it's so good that's good user interface so just a heads up right there um okay does that make sense does that answer where we're okay i think we will maybe we'll leave it here um yeah i think we're gonna leave it here if that's okay with you guys are you guys good for good with that want to continue i don't we actually didn't say we're going till 9 or 9 30 so i don't i guess we can do a vote would, would anyone like to continue till 9 30 raise your hand okay would anyone like to end now at nine and process what you have raise your hands okay perfect beautiful okay so we're gonna do it we're gonna do it from eight to nine but i okay so I will give a bit of homework if you guys are up for it. Go through. You see on your page, it has a section that says bottom line. Thank you. Take a moment throughout the week, look at the bottom lines and see how can you implement that in your life. When I started, when I started Shear, I explained that there's Chachma Bin and Das. Chachma is just the knowledge. Bina is understanding it in a way that you're able to share with someone else or understanding it in a way that you really, you get it. You, you didn't just hear Michal teach it. You yourself get what's going on. And Das is connecting it to your life. It's saying, where in my life am I lacking some of this betachan? Where in my life am I trusting something or someone else that I'm possibly having a, not so pleasant user interface that maybe I'm not seeing Hashem's hand in things. He's still taking care of me. He's still taking care of it, but I'm not feeling it. Where in my life is that? And I want to give you the homework to either journal about it, talk to a friend, talk to a mashpia, talk to somebody about it. Find, if you want, find the chavrusa within the group or find the chavrusa out of the group and, and set some time during the week to live with this betachin. That makes sense?